for the things of God. And that, you know, most of the time those things sound easy. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the big problem is us, yeah. just me, you know. And as I was thinking about that, you know, even here as we, you know, we gather together, a lot of people are gone. And, you know, we think, oh, wow, you know, we're small and this, that. And this. It's all about us. When God really, it, it, we understand that he's not, you know, hindered by many or by few. Right. You know, worship isn't better if you have 500 people in a great orchestra or two people in a jail cell shouting out to God. But we're just so limited by our own understanding. And we have to, you know, God wants to really expand our minds of that, break us free from the bondage of this world, which we don't even realize that we're in. Mm-hmm. And... More and more that's taking place in the, in, in the things of this world, you know. <clears throat> I usually wake up every morning and, you know, start out the morning pretty good, then I turn on the news. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, what is going on? And then, you know, it began to c- come to me, because I, I heard a saying one time, and I know we all know these things, but it's easy to forget. Yeah. And that's what the Bible is, is here, is to remind us. The Bible talks about reminding one another, stirring up one another, provoking one another to love and good works. But Peter talks about, you know, I have to remind you of certain things because, man, we forget so easy. You know, we look, James talks about it, about one who looks into the mirror, sees something, goes, oh yeah, and then immediately forgets when he turns away. And the sin nature, the human nature, the nature of sin that remains in this body we have to continually war against because it's continually warring against God and God's things. God and God's things are not naturally retained in us. And so, this again, the Bible talks about if we just read the Word and we don't practice it, we become deceiving. We deceive ourselves. And this is something we don't like to hear because then we're found wanting. We're found to be sinners. And... What, we've, been, we've been sharing a lot about that. But one of the hardest things to do is just receive. Yeah. Very, and, and more and more, that's not becoming a fashionable statement. See, Jesus came into the world for us to receive the gospel, for us to receive forgiveness of sin. And we'd think that'd be real easy, wouldn't it? God came to forgive you. And how many times have you preached the gospel? I mean, I remember people wanted to forgive me of my sins. I said, no, thank you. Just want to receive. And if someone comes, if Jesus came and said, you know, you, you would be okay, you would have a cloak for your sin if I didn't come. But now that I've come, he brings an offensive word. Offensive to what? Offensive to the natural mind. Because the natural mind, the natural man, no matter how noble we believe we are, is God's enemy and does not naturally retain the things of God. And so as, as we walk with the Lord... That price of being, I don't know what exactly we want to call it, but he, you know, Charles Chambers says, the price of sanctification, the price of really being used by God means that our desires need to be narrowed, intensely narrowed. But, again, it's just so easy even here, you know, in, our, you know, in the, we're worshiping the Lord, and, oh, wow, you know, not a lot of people here. and We really forget the purpose of God. That, you know, the Bible talks about that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That the manifold wisdom of God is going to be made known by the church to the principalities and powers. Why are we here? Well, we're not here for numbers or fame or all that kind of stuff. And we all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But immediately, as soon as the sentence stops, my mind goes back to me. Yeah. And, you know, it's not so much sin. 
in the sense of doing bad things. Because, I mean, let's face it, nobody does bad things anymore. Like I said, you watch the news, and, and again, it's, it's become more and more apparent that I need to rejoice in those things because as I was saying, you know, it came to me one time, someone said this very simple thing, no matter how good you are, no matter how good the church becomes, the book of Revelation is going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. We're, you know, we're not here to make society better. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us society, man without the knowledge of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, is going to become more and more ungodly. And that's something we should be saying, wow, hallelujah, come back quickly, Lord. Not trying to fix it up. Now, I know there's a, there's, there's a right way, you know, because in society, there has been the infusion of God's principles or a knowledge of God which has been taken out of the way and taken out of the way, just as the book, the Bible talks about, that the Holy Spirit is, is going to be, is, is keeping control of things for a time until He is taken out of the way. And what's happening now, godliness, God's even principles, ideas are being taken out. And for us, that's a, it's a grievous thing, but it also should be, as I think John talks about that, it should be an evident token of the return of Jesus Christ. That we should not have any hope in this world or in society, you know, we're going to fix it. You know, I, you know I, if I had a vote to vote for not paying taxes or paying taxes, I'd vote not to pay taxes. I don't have any hope in it anymore. Because, see, I really don't have a glass of water in this hand anymore, do I? And so the big difference. <laughs> see, but if we, if we look at that and put our hope in it, we might actually believe this is better than this. It's not. It's all ungodly. See, an intense narrowing of our desires in this world so, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I wake up, I go, wow. You know, then I watch the news and I go, wow. So now I'm starting to, like, again, re- hoping, I mean, it's still tough, but I've got to rejoice in it, saying, Lord, come quickly. Right. But now, see, Corinthians talks about, and the whole concept of the church, again, we're under spiritual warfare, spiritual attack constantly. But because we have an enemy, we have an enemy. It's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, not the Communists, not the pastor. It's not your wife. It's not the church. It's not your kids. Now, all those may at some time appear like enemies. And if we're not wise or spiritually minded, we might actually hate those things and war against those things, actually finding ourselves resisting God, as, as Saul did, which later became Paul. Actually... Th- hating some certain things. He was actually hating God until God came to him and said, is it enough? Isn't it hard to be kicking against the thorns? I called you. See, the calling, the salvation that God reaps for us is not all that he desires. There's a great groaning. It talks about, I believe, in Romans, Corinthians. There's a, the whole creation. Which one? Romans. The whole creation is groaning in earnest, just like, oh, Come on! Like a, like a woman in travail for the, the manifestation of the sons of God. Not for people just to get saved. It's a glorious thing to be saved. But that's not what God's purpose is. God's purpose, the whole creation, is waiting for the manifestation, the fulfillment, the maturity of this wonderful thing which we don't give enough credit for, which was God's 
intense desire called His church, His body that fills all in all. It doesn't yet look like that, does it? Sometimes it, like we, we might end up hating some things. Has anybody ever said, I hate that? Well, be careful because Jesus has some things to say about I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. I'm a, I'm a great hater in the natural. But that's okay. You, you have good company. Paul the Apostle. Great hater for God. Except he found out it was for the devil. A lot of our zeal isn't according to knowledge. It's according to me. Because we like to judge people. We don't, you know, Jesus can, didn't come into the world to judge us. Do you know why Jesus didn't come into the world to judge us? See, again, if we, we, every generation, every time, takes on a certain aspect of press against the church. And that now we're talking about the, the, what is called tolerance, which is really not tolerant. See, I mean, if, there, if there's, and if we really were, now, now, and I don't want to get into that, forget it. I won't make any racial jokes. But if we were really tolerant and we really weren't racial, I could be able to say some racial things and you wouldn't take it personally. But being white. <laughs> See, I used to not be able to say that years ago. See, years ago to be like me, we didn't want to be like me. You know, it's kind of like you're the weirdo. What do you bring into lunch? And, you know, you're not normal. Either you're Catholic or you're Jewish. And what do you mean? You're Armenian? What's that? You know. But now it's really in. I'm still out, but it seems to be in. So things change, but God doesn't change. And so the pressure of this world now is to be tolerant, to accept all things. See, and so now there is no place that sin can be talked about because it has to be tolerated. So you're not just a pervert or a weirdo or a sinner. You're just different. Well, there is a difference. It's called sin. Now, I'm not, talk, I'm not judging anybody. The reason that Jesus didn't have to come into the world to judge us was why? We were already judged. See, the Jesus came in that you would receive the good news. You've, all, you've sinned. I've come to forgive you. But if you're not a sinner, how could you possibly be forgiven? It's the good people that don't need a doctor, Jesus said. And what's happening more and more in the world, everybody's good. Everybody's good. Thank God you're a sinner. Thank God you can repent. Thank God that we're, we're, we're so low that we would need a Savior. Not, uh, no, thank you. I, I think I can, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, I know that. But see, that's the gospel. The gospel doesn't stem from within us. Godliness doesn't stem from within us. Godliness and faith and belief, the Word of God does not reside in us, nor, uh, I don't know what it means. But it bubbles, doesn't bubble up from within us. It's a thing that we have to be attached. Jesus said we have to be attached to the vine. See, I have to continually be attached to the vine. And that's a spiritual thing. But naturally, every day, some things go by. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Pride of life is really the root of all of them. And I was thinking about that. You know, why are we so filled with vanity? You know, I just, I go, oh my goodness, I'm just like, wow. The world is so full of vanity. And it's not enough. It's never enough. You know? And it just goes on and on. Now, I, you know, again, like I said, we should be able to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Since we live in this world, and it's God's will that we're here, and it's God's will that we work and labor with our hands and do business and become wise as serpents, harmless as doves, 
But there is a different society. There's almost like a secret mission going on. There's the world, and we live in the world. And the people would look at us, they'd say, oh, man, there's someone, someone. But there has to be a difference. See, and Paul addresses that difference in, this, in Corinthians, where he says, you know, I told you not to hang around fornicators and extortioners and liars and haters and murderers. But he says, I'm not talking about them in the world, because if I was talking about them in the world, you wouldn't be able to go outside. You'd have to be taken out of the world. But God left us in the world. I deal with murderers. I deal with thieves. I deal with all kinds of weird people. But he says, don't let that mindset come into the church. They don't have to judge anybody out there. See, I don't have to judge anybody out there. God says, don't worry about that. That's my job. But you do have a job. You need, I know this is going to be offensive. We need the judge in the church. As a matter of fact, there's a problem with, the church has always had problems. Do you know why the church has always had problems? Because you're in it. Yeah, it's, there's people involved in the church. And so then we blame God. But it was God's desire, it's God's plan, it's God's infinite wisdom to use sinful man with all their problems. And you know, we sometimes look, has anybody looked at the life, looked at the church, looked at you, and say, you looked at your marriage, your kids, it's not working. We better try something else. Well, for 10,000 years, it apparently hasn't been working, according to me, according to some people according to the powers that be, according to the wise, noble. But God doesn't say, oh, you know what? We better throw it out. He says he's got a plan. It will come to pass by faith. See, I've got to accept this by faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible for me to see God in this world. Without faith, it's impossible to believe the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. Without faith, it's impossible to grab hold of the purpose of God. Without faith, it's impossible to walk different as a different society, a different member of the body of Christ, than just being a part of the world. And if we do not judge one another and strengthen one another, then other things start to come into our mind. You know, it's so easy to fall in love. You know, that, again, we, get, we, we buy all those things. Where did we get that idea that it's so easy to fall in love? From the song. It's so easy to fall in love. Does anybody know that song? Okay, good. I was hoping it wasn't a flashback. Or yeah. Well, see, again, we, we sing that, but it's not. Where did you get an idea it was easy to fall in love? Has anybody here grown, uh, grown up in a family? How was your family? Did mom and dad ever fight? Brothers and sisters ever fight? Did, oh, well, it's not working. No, you're not working. See, because of sin, we have taken the things of God and we've lost, we've lost that natural ability to understand them. So now it's a sacrifice. Anybody hear the word sacrifice? Very rarely is it ever talked about anymore. You don't have to sacrifice. And again, it's taking its toll in the world. Hallelujah. Get, I hope it takes toll in the world. I hope everybody's in debt to $30,000, $40,000. I hope it be, And you know why? Because it's so easy to fall in love. It's so easy. Well, it's coming due. Now, it's easy for that mindset to get on us if there's not a narrowing of my desires in the world. See, now, it's easy to say that. But like I said, we have to stay connected to the vine. But all the time, the pride of life 
the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh takes a toll. Because there's a thing, some things that go by. Especially maybe have you been judged? Have you been told something you don't like? How about this? Because we know that it's really society's fault and you would be doing a whole lot better if you had good parents. <laughs> I mean, that's, just, that, that's, that's the way it is. I mean, we laugh at it here, but reality, it's not my fault. You know, if I had a chance and I had this and if my parents were rich, <laughs> you know, or my parents knew it. Well, this is why the Bible is not one of the, you know, most favorite books if we really understand it. Well, God is perfect. But again, what we've been talking about, have you found fault with your Jesus? Yeah. I find fault with him all the time, according to my understanding. Right. You know, I'm wondering why he has to go to the cross. I might have to say, don't go to the cross. Peter did it. He might be on the mountain of transfiguration. And he, Peter says, it's great for us to build here. Let's, three, let's build three booths. God says, no, don't do that. There's going to come some things. And then God creates Adam and Eve. God is perfect. He creates Adam and Eve. But He's going to tell them something. He's going to tell them something. Don't eat of that tree. But what does, why did He put it there? This is the nature of God. And what's happening in us more and more, in the press more and more, is the very nature. Some of the parables even in the Scripture, don't even, we can't even understand what they're talking about anymore. Because we, the, the world has changed so far, we don't even get what He's talking about. But the nature of God is to put a tree right in the midst of the garden. The nature of God is to produce faith in you and trust in Him. And here we are, we're born again, but the, the world is also pressing in on us. And right in the midst of the garden is a, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what should you do for it? Don't eat it. There's thousands of other trees. All kinds of fruit. God says, here, eat whatever you want. Just that one, don't eat. Right in the midst of the garden. Now, I'm just, I'm just guessing. I mean, it's hard to understand without the sin nature. But... I'm walking past that tree every day. I don't think it took that long, personally. I think it was probably just a few hours. <laughs> you know? Boy, I wonder why he said don't eat of that tree. Boy, that tree looks pretty good. You know, everybody else gets to drive a new car. Nobody else gets hammered on. Everybody else gets to go to college. I don't know why the pastor has to pick on me. You know, I think... How many of you just heard it? Oh, but that's different. No. That is the knowledge of good and evil. Because you're judging now. You're no more a follower. No more a believer. No more a practicer. You're a judge. No, I think that's not good. No, I think that is good. All that has to be stripped away to where the only thing that remains in our life is God and His purpose. And that is so foreign to us. It's almost a word that we come to hate. And then it brings us back to hate again. But see, we, we, all, we always, many times we hate the wrong thing. You know, the Bible says, don't hate one another, you're a murderer. Well, why does he say that? To condemn us? No, to set us free. To realize I need a Savior. To realize, you know, to show me, because without this Word, I wouldn't have a mirror. Without this Word, without the Holy Spirit convicting me, without the law coming and telling me I shouldn't do that, I would, Paul says, I didn't know I was sinning. Well, the grace of God comes now and says, you know what? 
you're going the wrong way. And here's a, three deadly letters that, that start us off the wrong path. Why? I don't see it that way. No, of course you don't see it. You're deceived. See, I'm a deceived person without God working in my life daily and continually. But in Luke, let's see, Luke chapter 21, I believe it is. This is, this is a radical scripture. I mean, who could hear it? Why does Jesus have to be so hard? Well, he hates sin. He hates what sin has done to the human race and to the universe. And it's so repugnant and so deceitful that he gave his life for us. Not only for us, but for God's purpose to be resurrected into the universe. And, and paying for our sin was a great part of that resurrecting of God's purpose. And now we are called reconciled, the Bible calls. We're reconciled. We're called back to fulfilling God's purpose. But now there's a battle. Now there's a sacrifice that's, in, in, that's meant to be in serving God. Serving God doesn't come naturally. Serving God doesn't come easy. But there is a press that thinks that I can serve God. That means you're laboring under the law again. You think you can do some good or bad or something like that, and I've made some judgments in my life, and you know I can decide what to do for my life. All those things are judgments and not doing. And as soon as we're making judgments, we're not a doer, the Bible says. We become a judge. And once that happens, you know, the Bible says, whoa, it's not where we should be. And so allowing the, the... You know, we have the shield. We talk about that shield. You know, he's my shield. There's a shield that needs to keep some stuff out. There's a helmet that needs to... Most of the, 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 the weapons of the spiritual armor, now that I'm thinking about are defensive weapons or for keeping stuff out. It's just too easy to get sucked up into stuff and not even know it. Second Timothy says to Peter, says Second Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. We don't realize we're in war most of the time. But we're in spiritual warfare, just as Jesus was in spiritual warfare and is in spiritual warfare. There is a, a, an enemy of your soul. There is a warfare going on to cause you to be useless in the kingdom of God. And it is, the words to Timothy was, do not become entangled with the affairs of this life. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? That's one of those, we like to be philosophers. We're basically Western thinkers. We come from a Greek mentality, and we like to, and that's what Paul talks about. There's basically two mentalities in the world. You know, don't get too weird on this. You know, there's the Jewish mentality or the Hebrew mentality and the Greek mentality. You see that balanced out in the Scripture. Now, from those, basically, you've got the superstitious people and, and you know, the people that want to sign and this, that, and the other thing and, you know, some form of God. And then you have the Greeks. We're pretty much Democrat, come from democracy, from the Western thinking, and that's knowledge. And through much knowledge, so, we have, so then again, now that we've come to God, let's use our infinite intellect to serve Him. Except there's one thing, the things that are highly esteemed above men, God thinks are an abomination. So here we go. Now, now don't, try not to read too much into it. Actually, read a lot into it, but read the right things into it. See, so again, now that I am a Christian, See, Paul could have done that. 
well, now that I'm a Christian, I think I should do this, and I'll start a Bible school and minister to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. God had an entirely different program for him. And so, but we think we're going to serve God. The affair, what are the affairs of this world? Again, do you, have you ever noticed how impersonal the God that we call personal has become? What is God concerned about in your life? What is, what is the affairs of this life, Timothy? Well, when you're a soldier, guess what? You can't take vacation any time you want. Uh, Sarge, it's a little late. I, don't, I think I'm going to break, you know, I'm a little tired. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home to bed. See, again, even those, those metaphors are hard to relate to anymore because we have don't tell, don't ask. Don't ask, don't tell policies. Well, you know, that's not the way the army was back in Rome. You don't want to be a soldier, you're dead. <laughs> See, the metaphors, we have to go back to the mentality. We can't do that. There's a song I was singing with the kids. I looked the scriptures up today, just to be sure. When I was a hippie, Pete Seeger, uh, we sang this song. Uh, We're going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside, down by... And when Pete Seeger plays that on the banjo, boy, he was old back then. <laughs> Man. You know, we're going to beat our plowshares into swords, and we think, oh, the, you know... We're, we're, now we're quoting the Bible. The hippies are quoting the Bible. You know, no good's going to come of that. But we thought, man, how, how we, we're standing for a righteous cause. Well, that's, that verse is found in Isaiah 2.4. And it's talking of a, a dispensational time when the Lord's going to come back and we're not going to have to war anymore. But in this, war, in this world, Jesus says we are at war. Timothy says we are at war right now. But there's another place in Joel 3... It says the exact opposite. To, to beat your plowshares into swords. Because there's a time to war. See, but depending on which side of the fence you are, you only want to be beaten one way. <laughs> but this is what God wants to do. See, there's a place where God is desiring to form us into something. And many times, just about the time you get to be a plowshare. Does anybody know what a plowshare is? Again, we know we're not an agrarian society. It's hard to know. It's a plow, you know. It's the thing that cuts the thing. He's going to take us and reform us into a sword. See, God is the creator. You know, he's the refining fire. He's the potter. We like to talk about all those things. But in the reality, in order to serve him, I have to not get entangled with the affairs of this world. But again, as a, as a good person, if you're a good person, you don't belong in church. You know, when people used to say, well, the church is filled with all kinds of hypocrites and liars. That's where they belong. <laughs> That's what Jesus came for. He doesn't make, he said, I'm just kind of, you know, Peter's saying, you know, he's a fisherman. I don't want to hang around. He said, That's what I came for. Now, should we continue to sin? No. But you will. And we'd have to receive the mercy of God. But see, again, we, we, we get in these weird places. And so, the thing that, really, you know, we, we've got these things in our lives that continually pull us back to the affairs of this world. Jesus warned us. Hebrews, we, we read about a couple weeks ago, says, when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, harden not your heart. You know, it's so easy to be stubborn and hard about just little things that really don't matter to God 
Have you ever noticed the little things that take you away from God, but you're really not getting any further away from God? Oswald Chambers said that we, we, we use common sense, but we tack the name of God on it. It's the little things that might destroy the universe. What do you think would destroy the universe? Somebody reacting, you know, the devil statue? Murder? No, it was just simply, God said, don't eat of that fruit. Wow. You mean God's concern? Yeah, that's where he wants to live. See, there's a reason why he left us in the world. Most of us want to get to heaven. And a lot of, people, a lot of Christians actually want to walk in this heavenly, heavenly realm. That's not where Jesus walked. Jesus came and became man and showed us how to walk in this ungodly world as God. And it's, he actually, this is Jesus' prayer. I'm going to talk to him about it someday. He says, Jesus, he said, Father, don't take him out of the world. I'm going, no, no, pray again. I don't want to stay here. It's no fun. I mean, I have my moments. But it's just, you know, generally it's kind of like it's vanity and vexation of spirit. And it's getting dumber every day. But Jesus, in being God, He prayed the will of the Father and said, don't take them out of the world. You are here for a reason by the will of God and placed in His church as He's seen fit. And as a living stone that loves God and the master carpenter, the master builder takes you, the living stone, and puts you there as good Christians we go. We don't want to be here. No, that's not. I don't want to be next to Him. He smells. I don't want to be next to him. He's too heavy. I don't, no, you don't understand. I like the church over there. Uh, did you hear it? Well, God doesn't care about that. Let me tell you, the affairs of this life, Sarge does care about where you're going to sleep tonight. I've kind of had it with the barracks. I mean, I like all the guys, but I'm going to the, soap, the hotel, hotel, hotel 8 tonight. Sarge is going to have a problem with that. Why? Not because he doesn't like the person, but because the person has been called to a purpose. We need to see that God's purpose is the overriding truth and reality to everything that must and should govern my life. Jesus, he said, Paul talks about himself as a, as a I, I don't just beat the air. We talked about that last, you know, Tuesday or something in one of our, one of our Bible studies. You know, you know, I, you can always look good hitting the, the soft, you know, you know, you're watching the old, they had Sonny Liston fights on the other day, and I'm watching, I found myself bobbing and weaving. You know, and I'm going, wow, he can't hit me. Well, no, he's on TV, you're really not fighting. <laughs> but a lot of us, our Christianity is like that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, that's good. I'm not saying don't do that. There's a place to learn how to bob and weave. But if all you know how to do is bob and weave, you're going to get your brains knocked in. And what's happening to most of us is we're getting our brains knocked in because we're not keeping our body under according to the purpose. We get entangled with some affairs of this life. And the only reason I wouldn't get entangled with the affairs of this life is I've got a greater purpose than eating chocolate cake before I go into the ring. I mean, there's nothing wrong with eating chocolate cake. No, there's not. What's your purpose? Jesus said it another way. You can't serve two masters. You're going to learn to hate one, Jesus says hate, and love the other. And many times we end up hating Jesus Christ because it's unnatural to love Him. 
He's going to seem hard and cruel because he cares nothing for your natural affinities. And I go, well, I don't understand that. You know, I've You know, I always wanted to. You know, most marriages fall apart because people have some weird ideas. They thought it was easy to fall in love. You know, and so then we look at it and we say, oh, so it's not easy. There's commitment and stuff like that. Let's get rid of it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Whoa, it doesn't require anything of me. Wow. How about now we just make serving God whatever you want it to be? Well, there's a place for that. It'll end up in hell. But, you know, and that's, it depends on what you want. But Jesus, see, Jesus willingly surrendered himself to the Father and took on the Father's will. See, but there's a lot of things that come in now that we accepted Jesus. Does our brain kick in and we're just serving God naturally? What does that mean, serve God? Well, the children of Israel did it. They went out every day. They kind of did the, the, the commandments. They went out every day and picked up manna. They kind of went to, you know, kept the Sabbath. But in their hearts, they were always angry against God. That's why he said, he's talking about the, the, the children of Israel as an example does. When you hear God, don't harden your hearts through the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah, but I, I want to eat that fruit. I know that it's not bad to do that. What is your purpose? There has got to become an overriding purpose that my whole life does not become entangled with the affairs of this world. No matter what they are. Because the, the things that we get entangled with start to define who I am. See, Jesus was defined by who he was, by what he got entangled with. Huh, he's hanging around those publicans and sinners. Huh, he's got those twelve. If he knew what kind of a woman that was. And so... What we get entangled with, or what we build relationships with, really starts, you might say it's our fruit, starts defining who we are and actually starts making us into somebody. But there is something that we need to hate. It's not the church, it's not the Word of God, it's not one another, it's not our wives. Although there's going to be some rub there. There's going to be a rub. But again, the rub is a good thing. See, the rub is a good thing if I've got a purpose. The athlete goes through tremendous... How many people... They, I, just, I didn't watch it again, but it was on TV. I was flicking channels. I guess yesterday I had all the good movies on. Rocky. How many... You, do you love the Rocky movie? Yeah, we love to watch it. Nobody wants to do it. I mean, he's like, you know, he has to go through all that stuff. And I guess the first thing, he's, you know, he runs up the stairs. He can't do it. I'm not worth it. You're making me do that. And again, I remember, I remember trying to teach my children how to ride the bicycle. You know, some, God puts something in us that, that wants to aspire to certain things. And for some reason, when, you know, except for Micah, I don't know what's wrong with him. Kid hits 15, 16 years old, they want to drive a car. Now, you, you know, it's a good thing they invented cars 100 years ago or so because they wouldn't allow them to be invented nowadays. Because do you realize the only thing that, that separates tons and tons of metal going 60 miles an hour is a piece of paint on the ground? How unsafe is that? 
Man, we don't. Well, again, see, safety has become elevated to where it runs your life. Now, I'm not saying don't be safe, but I'm saying there's something else that should run your life. Yeah, could you imagine nowadays trying to invent something? Yeah, we want to invent this thing that weighs about a ton and a half, and we want them to go head to head, and what's going to protect them? Well, a line that says don't cross. They'd say, no, you can't do that. That would be, you know, anyway. So, but anyway, I was teaching my kids how to, to ride their bicycle. And again, you know, at the age of five or six, they, they see somebody on a two-wheeler. Now, that is probably the most ridiculous thing to ride a two-wheel bicycle. It's unbalanced. It's dangerous. You're going at a really high rate of speed before there was helmets. I mean, could you imagine not having a helmet? In my neighborhood, if you wore a helmet, you would have got beat up. <laughs> it would have been more dangerous. But anyway, they said, oh, Pop, please teach us how to ride a two-wheeler. How many people say, oh, I want to serve God. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. You don't understand. You have to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And you don't know where you're going to spend the night tonight. And there's going to be some other things. Pretty soon, the bicycle starts to wane in value. So I get my kids on the bike. And in their hearts, they really think they're going to get on there and ride the bike. I mean, they're headed down the hill. They want to, like, you know, let's go for this thing. You know, they believe something. Their belief is misplaced. Or not made misplaced, but they haven't been trained to handle the responsibility. Sound familiar to anybody here? How come I can't do that? Well, you're not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Are you judging me? No, it's it just I just watched you. <laughs> you know, it's not real good. They get on the bicycle, and again, they're, they're, they, got this, they got all this courage and hope, and they're smiling, and then wham, right into the gravel. And they, they get up, okay, okay, you know, I must have made a mistake. Four or five times later, blood is coming out. They now start hating the helper that they asked to help them. They threw their bicycle down. You're trying to kill me! What are you doing to me? I'll never ride a stupid bicycle! Does this sound to anybody? I'm never coming to this church again. What do you think you're trying to make me do? And it... Does this, am I talking to anybody here? Yeah. I know only little kids do that on bicycles. The problem is, as you get older, most of us really don't change that much. We just get fatter. You know, you, now, instead of, you know, throwing a fit about your bicycle, it might be the church, your job. It still comes from a place of seeking justice. There is no justice in this world. Our justice is waiting for us by the mercy of God. So the same thing with us. We need a goal. And without a vision, the Proverbs... Let me, let me get that for you. Proverbs... Um, take my word for it. Proverbs 19 or 18, I believe it is. Without a vision... There it is. Without a vision, the people perish. There needs to be a goal. See, without a goal, without a goal in Rocky's life, He's not going to drink the raw eggs. He's not going to say, cut me. <laughs> what are you going to cut my eyes? Are you, who do you think you are? You masochist, you're an authority. Tripper. Well, you don't have the vision, so how could I possibly talk to you? See, Jesus said you're not going to understand what I'm saying because you're not, you're not there. You're not, you're not wanting to hear me. No natural man would say, cut my eyes open <laughs> so I can see, unless there's a vision. See, Paul wouldn't say, I rather glory in my infirmity. I gladly cast everything, everything, every earthly. How many 
Ever since I was a little girl, I always wanted to go to college. Well, now that I'm in God, of course, maybe he wants you not to go. How dare you say, I know, it's just like the fruit. There's another purpose that you know nothing about. And it's not just being close to God. See, again, we can, we can change that in some... Many people have their own independent life believing we're close to God. Jesus, if that was all there was in being close to God, Jesus would never have come to this earth. Jesus was as close to God as you could get. But there is even a greater purpose than your personal comfort zone, your personal success, your personal likes and dislikes. It's called God's purpose that caused Jesus to leave everything and suffer wrongfully and raised from the dead and continues to suffer, praying for us, His blood continually washing us. Because it's not just about, oh, well, i got to have my life together and it's really looking good and I'm a nice person. I'd rather be called, as Paul said, I'm the off-scouring of the earth. I'm mocked and ridiculed everywhere I go. But there's a purpose. And for that purpose, he says, I take joyfully the spoiling of my good. I lay down everything. But see, again, I wouldn't ask anybody to cut their eyes unless they were into it. See, Rocky, something got a hold of it. That's why we like the movies. See, that's why we like the movies. But wouldn't it be nice to live outside the movies? It's getting harder and harder to do. they got stuff stuck to your eyes, stuck to your ears. You know, you know. we live in an imaginary world. It's called deceiving ourselves. You know, the Bible talks about reality. You know, we're still trying to escape from reality. You know, it was back in the 60s, you know, turn in, tune out, drop out or something like that. I don't remember I was there. (laughs) When they said it, I didn't understand it. But yeah, you know, we're people that don't like reality. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is reality. And when we hear it, you're a sinner. No, don't do that. We get upset. Because we don't like reality. Sin has made us to like imagination, vain imagination, everything else that fills up our life until we start training ourselves as a soldier, taking on the Word. And God doesn't hide things. See, we like to hide things. We preach the Gospel, come to Jesus, everything's going to be good. You endure hardness, Timothy. Well, who's going to come to that message? Only the guy that wants to win the gold prize. Only the guy that says, cut me. Only the guy that says, I've got him where I want him. Only the person like Paul that's consumed with something that doesn't make sense. They're looking at Paul, and the the king is trying to give the guy a break. He says, Paul, much learning has made you mad. What are you doing? Just, you know, say a few words. I'll I'll let you go. I don't need to kill you. He says, no, I wish you were like me. I've been seeing Jesus, and I'm consumed with the vision. Not even his freedom. Not even his life. Not even the hardships. And put your situation in there. Because there is something, we'll, get, we'll read the scripture because it's really important. Because we, we like to read the Bible through our own imaginations. We change things. God opened the eyes of our understanding. Luke 14. And the thing is, you can't do this by yourself. See, that's why he's made the church. And that's why we're trying to run away from it all the time. Because they're telling me what to do. Well, you need somebody. You know, you need somebody. I needed someone to preach the gospel to me. I know, I, I know maybe one or two people, now I don't even know anybody really, that never had the gospel preached to them. They just got saved. It doesn't happen. 
God has in, used weird... The guy that actually lays hands on Paul and baptizes him, teaches him about the Lord, didn't want to do it. <laughs> God comes in and says, I want you to go. He says, I'm not doing it. I don't trust that guy. <laughs> have you, he says to God, have you heard about him? <laughs> I love it! He was in fear for his life and still went and did it. How many people here like to be told what to do? There's a reason why. It's not that it's wrong. I'm wrong. See, Adam never minded being told what to do until he sinned. Adam, name the animals. Who do you think you are? (laughs) Where am I supposed to get all these names? I don't have time for that. No. He says, yes. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have anybody to play with. He's not complaining. God says, I think I'll help him out. Well, he's like the guy that's trying to teach the guy the, the bicycle. He gets blamed for it at the end. Why do you think you're doing it? You know, you gave me her the whole thing shot. Yeah. Here's your wife. Oh, thank you. Not, couldn't you make someone better? See, all that stuff comes from sin. But we're so bred now, so trained to be independent... And self-will, we think it's natural. And we actually try to protect it, thinking it's godly. But Jesus is exactly opposite. And the church is supposed to be exactly opposite. So be aware when we start defending our rights. Because it shows us that we're no longer receiving. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Proverbs goes through much of that. We got, anyway, let's, let's read this one scripture and then we'll... Do something. It's Luke. This is, this is Jesus speaking here. I know this is going to sound really hard. And I'm going to read some of it, but what I really want to touch on, because I, you know, I, don't, I don't understand it all. But the word here, use, the word is hate. And I looked that up to make sure that, you know, because sometimes the words change. Do you know what it means? Hate. It means to despise. That means not like a lot. <laughs> Yeah, the, if any man come, come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother, sometimes I, I you know, <laughs> I've qualified for that. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. But here's what I want to talk about. Yes, and his own life also. There is something that you need to really work at hating. It's the affairs of this life, the lust of the eye, the things that you esteem right. You need to hate your life, your agenda. Well, I can't do that right now. I'm too busy. Hate it. Well, I've always wanted to hate it. Well, Jesus, you're asking. Hate it. Do you have anything more important than what God has for you? Oh, yeah. It's the tree. It's the tree. It's your quality time. It's um, praying, or whatever it would be. See, but there's someone else who wants to order your life. And that's, that, we're not supposed to hate him. We're supposed to hate our own life. And it's a work. It's a sacrifice to do that. And I believe you know, we need to come to that place of seeing that there's a, there's a purpose to where I've been called. You know, there's a purpose. There's, Paul talks about it. And again, it, it, we're losing the meaning of these things. He says, I want to run as one that wins. I want to get the gold prize. But I'm not just talking about here on this earth. There's something of such great value. How do you see your life running? 
What are we doing for? What are we willing to endure? Paul talks about that uh, the, the sufferings of this present age, the sufferings of this present age aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that's to come. And he was talking about beatings and whippings and nakedness and famine and starvation and persecution of a type we have never seen. What suffering are we taking to? He told me, he yelled at me. He's not very sensitive. Glory! That's what they say. Yeah, it's not, it shouldn't be worthy to be compared. But it's easy to get distracted from the purpose. And once we're distracted from the purpose, there's something that becomes my purpose. Me. Of course I'm going to do it for God. It's the Saul syndrome. Saul said, when he, Saul was told not to, you know, he was told what to do. And we're so deceived, we're like Saul. He sees the prophet coming and he says, Samuel, praise God, glad you're here. I'm doing the will of God. And there's sheep around, there's all kinds of stuff around. Deceived. Deceived. He needed the prophet, a prophetic word. A word from, because God no longer, godly things no longer live within us. They come from another source. They come from the kingdom of heaven. The word, that's why there's apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, brothers, people that provoke us to love and good work, because we're forgetful hearers like Saul. We could deceive ourselves saying, praise God, everything's good. And, and we, that's why we got churches with all kinds of stuff going on. That's why we got stuff in our mind. It needs to come in and say, you haven't done the will of God. Now, if you're self-righteous, if you're, if you're not sick, you might get angry. If you love your life, you might get angry. But if you're a disciple and you just want to receive and go, like David, you're right. Oh, forgive me. And after all that, David, God talks about David as a man after his own heart. The difference was he was a sick man. He was a man that knew he was sick. He could hate his life. He could love Jesus. Wow, help us, Lord. We have a purpose, and I want to start to talk about that purpose more and more. We need to get focused in on that and our, intense, our, our interest in other things narrowed. So we just want Jesus. Yeah, amen. Amen. Amen, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just ask your blessing on this time. We bless, ask your blessing and protection on everybody who's not here and is traveling and coming back. Just pray for Mahmoud and his traveling here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.